Evan Damrell joining us on the show. What's up, Evan? Not too much, Spencer. That is a uh, ominous and tough act to follow hearing about your high school friends. I hope I don't drop the ball for you. <laughs> well, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll. I'm sure you can kind of get where I'm going with it because it has to do with the Super oh, I Bowl. Know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an I'll interesting be time. In. Don't worry. It's an interesting time on my Facebook feed of late. So, um, I can't. I'm excited to have that conversation with the great people of Cleveland. I know Ken and and, and JP did this morning, and Ken kind of put himself in a box. He painted himself in a corner, basically, where it almost sounded like he was going on the rabbit hole. So that was fun. But anyway, um, no rabbit holes with the Cavaliers. We're going to tell like it is. And I'm curious, since the news just came out about 30 minutes ago, uh, what you make of the Craig Porter Jr. extension. Obviously, a guy who, especially with the return of Mobley and Garland, hasn't been seeing a ton of minutes of late, sort of like under the five-minute mark most games but a guy that clearly the Cavaliers value as kind of a developmental piece. Just what'd you make of that deal? Uh, good for him. First and foremost, he was overlooked coming out of the draft. He went undrafted. He made a strong enough impression during the Cavs summer league championship run to get into the training camp. And those strong impressions and continued for him to get a two way deal. And as fate had it for Craig Porter jr. Something he admitted he didn't expect. And I think a lot of us didn't expect when the Cavs were dealing with that rash of injuries, he stepped up and stood out for the Cavs. And I, I always think like he was driving to the chest of Joel Embiid and trying to get an and one opportunity, which he didn't still got free throws to the, at the line, but stepping up big time there or just his heroics against the Denver Nuggets and the Cavs just seemed like they're down and out with injuries. And as you had noted, his numbers of minutes rather have waned in the last few games, especially with Darius Garland being back and Evan Mobley being back. And I think Sam Merrill just emerging as a three-point shooting threat as well. I think that's the biggest knock against Porter Jr. is just teams know who he is now and they will dare him to beat them from the perimeter. And he can try. There's times he has done it, but he doesn't do it consistently enough, or at least maybe not to the volume Sam Merrill does. But this is just, you know, good for him. He worked his tail off to get to the situation just to secure a pretty big pay increase compared to what he was getting paid at the G League level. And um, just, you know, it's kind of validation, the fact that he earned this spot in the NBA and that he belongs here, even though he went undrafted. But from the Cavs side of things, the biggest question for this team, outside of maybe like Donovan Mitchell's future or the fit between Mobley and Allen is, can they find a permanent, like, backup to Darius Garland and they've tried other options like they tried Dante Axum for a bit that didn't work Ricky Rubio seemed like it was working towards ACL and that ended up being a flash in the pan once we saw Rubio back from injury and now they have this guy that they developed in-house they're he's on a cheap contract um just because the Cavs are financially strapped too with all these bigger names on their team so it's a guy they developed internally there's a guy that they believe in enough and I think I talked to my co-host Chris Manning about this. Like they've done this in the past, whether it was Dean Wade who was on a two-way deal or Lamar Stevens who was on a two-way deal. If you come in and you play hard and you play consistent and you earn the trust of the teammates and the coaching staff, this organization is going to be quick to reward you for it. And Craig Porter Jr. is the latest instance of that. And he may not play much, if at all, for the Cavs this season when they're fully healthy, but he's in that vein of Lamar Stevens where if you call on his number, the, the Cavs know what they're going to get. I think fans know what they're going to get. Maybe there's a little bit of surprises just because he has some intrigue with him still, but you know, good for him. He worked really hard for this and it's a well-deserved moment. And 
Um, kind of also just answers a lot of the questions this team had roster-wise when it came to patching things together on 10-day deals with like Pete Nansen's Ayer Smith recently. This team is basically going to be sort of marked with a, a scarlet letter, if you will, that they're just not tough and they can't get it done in the playoffs until they prove it otherwise. But I don't know. Like I, I hate the idea that the regular season just doesn't matter at all and fans just can't take anything away from it. And I think that we've actually learned a lot about this Cavs team through the stretch where Mobley and Garland were hurt. And now as they kind of get reintegrated into the offense and, and what the what the team's trying to do, um, it, it feels like we're still learning more about this team. And I also think, like, they didn't just stand pat and and not do anything. They've brought in some meaningful pieces, and they've tried to do things differently on top of sort of changing what they do philosophically. So it, it's all good things to see. But the, the, to, to put it sort of in a, into a simple answer, I, I just want to ask, why should fans believe that things are going to be different this year for this team come playoff time? So it's an interesting question because I've been pondering myself, really, um, because – when you ask the new faces, whether it's just, you know, George Niang or Max Struess, like George says, this is the most, like, well-connected or tight-knit group he's ever been around. Or Max is like, yeah, it's kind of hard not to be close to these guys because we spend all of our free time together, whether it's practice film, uh, free time, just, you know, just hanging out or whatever, doing, like, playing video games or doing anything else that they may do together. But that chemistry is certainly real. And then I picked on it in Mitchell's brain about it because he was the new kid last year and he said like yeah it's kind of hard not to get acclimated to it but to your point um, the Cavs made moves this offseason to push the needle further um, in terms of just getting high quality role players in Max Struess or a guy that gives you a lot more offensive juice in George Niang and also I think is a good locker room guy to have too in George Niang because a lot of guys gravitate to him but that really shake things up to kind of make the Cavs more modern offensively. And we're seeing a lot of that now, especially with this three-point heavy attack they've been utilizing, but still allows them to rest on their laurels and their biggest strength, which is, you know, the de- the defensive monster that is Jared Allen and Devin Mobley, and then accentuated by Isaac Okoro in a contract here, Donovan Mitchell, who's locked in. And, just, you know, guys throughout the roster playing their hardest on defense too. And we're really seeing just the realization of, I think, how J.B. Biggerstaff ideally wants this team to play. Like, there are plenty of highs. There are low moments. I think the loss against Philly was one of them, but the Cavs were somehow, some way still in that game just because of the heroics from Mitchell and other players. But I understand maybe being down on this team and maybe having the belief that regular season success doesn't instantly translate to postseason success. And I agree. Um, I think like you should be judged on how you perform in the postseason as well. But it's also a little unfair just because like that, that does give you recency bias, but yeah, the Cavs to me, at least when it comes to like adversity or maybe showing their toughness, they were handed, I would say a death blow um, when they lost Darius Garland and Evan Mobley back in December. For those who don't remember, they lost to Orlando, lost two in a row, two very frustrating losses rather in a row to the Boston Celtics. And there was a lot of questions of, okay, this Cavs team made a bunch of moves in the off season to kind of upgrade their core but they're still not good enough to hang with the best of the best. And this is a first round exit, maybe second round scrap at best. But I think you lost the force with the trees in that situation and realized like they still had Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell available. And they responded very well to the adversity. Like there was, I was talking to somebody in the team about this. Like there was a moment where 
they were kind of at a crossroads. Like they, they could have really spiraled and kind of kept sliding and being topsy-turvy like they were to start the year. And maybe there's a different guy coaching the team at this point, but they walked in, came back to work and just kind of took it game by game. And then you saw them go on that multi-game winning streak and then which lost ended in Milwaukee, but then responded right back and just kind of looked like the same old Cavs. Like, I think the losses will be sprinkled in. I think there'll be far more wins, especially now when you infuse the talent. But when this team was seemingly at its lowest point so early into the season, because we're only at the midway point right now, they have responded well. And I think that is just kind of growth that you can't really track on the box scores or through advanced metrics. It's just something the old eye test tells you and just kind of reaffirms to you that like this team could be or already is like a legitimate force in the Eastern Conference. Talking with Evan Damorell on the show, you kind of mentioned the chemistry note here, and I, I don't think that's something – first of all, I don't think it's something fans obviously get to see, but I also think it's not something mm-hmm. that should be undersold because I sense a, a world of difference from like Donovan Mitchell and just his interaction with this locker room from last year to this year. And I, like you're in that locker room interviewing these guys and it's, you know, somebody pokes their head into the press conference scrum and cracks a joke and gets everybody laughing. Like, it, am I wrong in, in feeling like that's different this year? And how important do you think that is come playoff time? I think it's super serious or super important, excuse me, come playoff time, because you don't want to take yourself too seriously. Like just looking at the Philly loss last night, for example, like Donovan Mitchell was saying, hey, we can't become complacent with greatness. Like, we have to kind of come out here and fight and scrap. And I think you could tell, like, it wasn't like a somber mood or like, oh, my gosh, our winning streak came to an end. Like, the world is ending. Like, the players were still being lighthearted and joking around. I think they, you know, addressed some of the issues internally, just like what didn't work for them. And Donovan said, like, hey, we didn't deserve to win that game because we didn't come out and play well defensively. And then didn't throw anyone under the bus. He then proceeded to rip his own defensive performance apart and say, like, I could have been better in X, Y, and Z scenarios. And I think having the guys at the top like that hold themselves accountable, whether it's him or Jarrett or Darius or Evan, like, they all hold themselves accountable individually. They never, like, call a person out personally. But the chemistry is good. Like, when I mean, it's always easier when the team is winning. I think that's just, you know – no duh really when it comes to these things like if a team's winning it just makes it more enjoyable to come work but like these are guys that just like legitimately care about each other and you you hear jb say it or kobe altman say it at the top but or even the players too like they they can say it publicly no one's ever going to say like oh these guys stink like i don't like playing with them i don't like being around them like if it would it would be on sports center 24 7 365 and then the Cavs would get the attention that they weren't getting, but in the way they didn't want it. But um, more so the fact that just like, yeah, it's it, they are brothers. They are friends. They pick each other up when they're down. They If somebody has a bad game, they never say like, oh, yeah, they stunk. Like they say like, oh, no, that was on me. I should have done better to get them more involved or something like that. Like these, these guys are friends. They care about each other. They think they care about the success. And credit where credit's due to this organization. They really have built a very sustainable culture that um, – which is weird to think just like in the wake of LeBron and like when John Daylight was running the show, like it's really, it's palpable. It's real. Like, as you said, like even when you're in that locker room, um, it's just like these guys are just not able to take themselves too seriously. They know like, Hey, a regular season loss isn't going to kill us, but like they know when to flip that switch and show up to work and kind of go out there and, you know, just, 
flat in the competition. Like yeah. I'm very curious to see how they respond against Chicago on Wednesday because if we see a completely different team tonally on defense, like you can tell, like, yeah, message received, but these guys will still be cooping around post game. Uh, hopefully win in their case, but even win or lose, like they're not going to take it too seriously, but at least know like they're going to back up what they're saying. How do we get Donovan Mitchell to be a more prominent and talked about MVP candidate in, in a, in a market like Cleveland? Cause I, I think that's what we just all chalk it up to is like, well, if he's playing in Cleveland, his name's not LeBron James. He's just never going to get the attention that he should. But so, so how do we combat that in a market like this? So counterpoint, I, I think the market argument is kind of losing a lot of steam. Like, sure, people in New York will make a conversation or argument for Jalen Brunson. Folks in Miami will talk about Bam or Jimmy, um, Dallas with Luca, et cetera, but. You look at the NBA ladder right now for MVP. Nikola Jokic is one, and I know Denver has all four major teams, but like they're not a major, major market. Um, number two is Shea Gilchrist Alexander. That's Oklahoma City yeah, down there. Fair. Like that's that's not a major market. And then after that, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. Which sure, the state of Wisconsin has the Packers up in Green Bay, or the Bucks and the Brewers down in Milwaukee. But Milwaukee's roughly the size of. Um, Cleveland itself. So I feel like the, the, the market argument kind of goes out the window. It's just tough. I think. But okay. Have, but I, real quick, cause the, like a lot of those teams you mentioned, yeah. those teams, when you have Giannis on your team, you're getting a lot more primetime games. When you have yeah. Jokic on your team, you're getting a little more, a lot, or not, they're all primetime games, but you're getting like the yeah, national yeah. televised games is what I meant to say. Um, yeah. Is that, is that yeah, the yeah. difference that there's just, there's not enough exposure of Donovan I, Mitchell. Cause I just don't like, I'm not even saying he should win it. I, th- I think there's obviously guys who are putting up better numbers. Jokic is, is a unicorn. Like, but mm-hmm. the fact that nobody's even mentioning his name and he's like eighth on the list just kind of seems a little surprising. It is surprising just because like he is individually having a great season. I think it cannot go understated or should be ignored. And well, and too, sorry to interrupt up. again, Evan, I apologize, but no, you're fine. and like, the Cavs lost two of their starters, and he carried the team. Like he proved, he was also, like one of the most valuable players in this league just in that stretch alone. He's averaging his point per game total last year, and having career numbers across the board elsewhere too, like yeah. assists, rebounds, blocks, steals that go everywhere. And I think it's more so the fact that like the one, the league is just so talented. It's hard to really say like, okay, who's the definitive number one or top 10 players or even top five. But the national thing is interesting. And I think Donovan kind of gave a little bit of a sobering comment on that, where he's just like, listen, as unfair as it, I'm paraphrasing him here, as unfair as it may seem, you are judged based on how you perform in the postseason. And last year, the Cavs got they got waxed in five games by New York. And then Donovan doesn't have the luxury of good recent postseason performances because before he comes to Cleveland, he gets bounced by Jalen Brunson and the Dallas Mavericks in the first round and before the Jazz blew it up as well. So it's tricky. I think there's always going to be the Los Angeles and the New Yorks and the Miamis of the world that get like those primetime slots because those are household teams or names or brands or whatever you want to call it. But, I would say, like, I was, it's actually funny we're having this conversation. Like, oh, as Chris Manning and I talk about this at length. Um, Donovan Mitchell finished sixth in MVP voting last year. And I could see him still being on the outside looking in. But just looking from a clean perspective, like, a, I don't think there's much more you can do because 
you can pout, rant, and rave as much as you want, but it's hard because, like, there's other guys who are having individually great seasons too. But at least for me, um, and I think Darius Garland makes a fair point, like maybe more people should be paying attention to Cleveland. But we'll see how they perform in the postseason, and let's we'll see how they do there. But, like, individually, like, just this regular season, and like you said, this team was down and out, and they really, at least seemingly down and out. And Donovan Mitchell stepped up and just kind of became the catalyst for everything offensively for this team. That as the season carries on, because we're only at the midway point with the All Star break looming, um, he could keep climbing up the ladder and enter that like top three conversation, where at least he's a finalist for the award. But and just unfortunate nature of the beast, like he also could just be an outsider looking in because there might be a guy who people just feel on the national level made more of a compelling argument. And that's the tricky thing. Like there are so many great players in this league that it's hard to say like, this guy's better than this guy. I mean, other than like, you know, like Jokic, who I think is the MVP, at least at this point this season. And, um, but like Donovan to me, like I watch him every single night. I'm around him quite a bit because I cover the team extensively. Like, yeah, he has the makings of an MVP caliber player. You can tell like he's a little frustrated by the fact that he's not more in the conversation. And I think he handled it the right way by not throwing a fit or doing something like, I don't know, like the Knicks are doing right now, uh, the petitioning a loss yeah. to the Rockets recently. Um, by just saying, like, listen, I'm just, I'm just going to keep playing my game, keep winning, keep playing with my guys, and let my game free speak for itself. And that's, that's the best way to do it. If you keep playing hard and you know you put in your best effort, other people don't feel that way. They're just haters because you know you're the best. He's Evan Damarell, one half of the Locked On Cast podcast. Also writes, covers the team for the Write Down Euclid pod or Write Down Euclid newsletter. Evan, always appreciate the time, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Uh, I'll, I'll, I should see you over at the arena here soon as well. So uh, appreciate you again, my man. Take it easy.